Hello, guys, and welcome to the 42nd edition, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis edition, because we couldn't think of anyone else, of the Next One Podcast. I'm Ryan Conley, along with Brendan Smith and Zach Mahamo. Boys, how are we doing today? Feeling good. It was a uh, super hot day out. Spent the, spent the day in the pool. Had some nice lifts earlier in the day before the podcast. Feeling good. Ready for it. I was also in a pool today. Hit some golf balls in my backyard. I took a nice jump in to cool off refresh be uh, ready to go for the show today i actually have real sports content to talk about real games to talk about yes we have real sports some baseball is officially back not to discredit mls because they've been back for a little while but if you're watching this on twitter because that's the only place you're going to watch this clip or on facebook we're on facebook too we are all wearing black it was a complete coincidence but subconsciously we knew this is the patriots uh captain's funeral very sad. We have a let's, let me name the list of players: Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, Marcus Cannon, Danny Vitale, Najee Torin. I don't know if I said that right, and Brandon Bolden. All most of them, longtime Patriots veterans, announcing that they are not going to play this year, which is probably what a smart player would do, considering uh, the first player to not say they're going to play was the Kansas City lineman who's a doctor who knows what he's talking about. So I think it's probably the smart choice that they said they weren't going to play, but the football fan in me is very upset and clearly we're all subconsciously upset because we're all wearing black. So guess, let me hear your first reaction to seeing this news. Uh, I mean, losing Mar- the Marcus Cannon and the Danny Vitale really hurt because I think regardless of who was the quarterback, we were going to rely on that running game a lot. And have, finally having a good fullback, you know, because James Devlin uh, missed the whole season, finally having a, a fullback that we can use and a, a solid line, you know, led by a, a really, really good right tackle and Marcus Cannon. Now that – now everybody's saying that now the right tackle spot, now we're going to re-sign Marshall Newhouse. So we're going to have that whole – now we're going to have some weekly segments of how much we hate Marshall Newhouse again. So those will be a reoccurring theme. It's good content. Once the season starts. Um but I think, I think those two are our biggest hits. But, again, I, can, I completely understand where they're coming from. All obviously are uh, lost to a certain extent, some more than others. But Hightower by far is the biggest hit that this team can take. Uh, we were talking before how we're going into a season with uh, a whole new linebacking core now. Uh, they lost Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy to free agency. Now Hightower is opting out. I mean, they have Jawan Bentley, who's played – 19 games in two seasons, just over 400 snaps. Uh, rookies, Anthony Jennings, Josh Uche, and then guys like Brandon Copeland, um, Chase Winovich, who's coming back in his second year. I mean, it's all it's all young guys, guys, second two years or in their rookie season, no veteran presence to, to coach them on the defense, actually on the field. Um, he's been here for eight years, and he's played – I mean, he's a reason – he's a key piece to – um, the three Super Bowl runs that we went on literally made two plays in two Super Bowls that uh, we would have lost without them. But uh, with the uh, tackle at the goal line with Mar- uh, on Marshawn Lynch before the Malcolm but- Butler interception and then the uh, strip sack at the end of the fourth quarter, right after uh, Julio Jones made that incredible catch on the sideline. He's been a key piece to this defense ever since he's been drafted for the last eight years. And um that's going to be tough to fill. Patrick Chung's tough too, but um, with Kyle Duggar and other veterans on in the secondary, there th- that's a position that that can be filled. But 
Um, now there's no leaders in the front seven. So uh, guys are going to have to step up. We'll see who it is and, and how well they can uh, adjust to that. Yeah, Dante Attower is definitely the biggest hit. Patrick Chung, I think. Patrick Chung is a really good player, but hopefully if Kyle Duggar is worth the high draft pick, he can replace Patrick Chung. And you have to remember, Kyle Duggar is, if I'm not mistaken, 26 years old. So he's not a young rookie. He played uh, 24. Is it 24? Okay, so I over-exaggerated a little. But it's still, a 24-year-old rookie is pretty old for your first year in the NFL. So he's not um, BDI'd young player coming in. He is 24. He did play Division Two though, so the speed adjustment is something everyone's questioning. Dante Tower leaving hurts a lot. Like you said, so many, he has so many highlight plays in his career. He's been with the team since 2012, getting drafted with uh, Chandler Jones. Like Zach was saying before the show, we're going to miss Chan Jones a lot. We've been missing him, but our top pass rushers from last year, Jamie Collins, Kyle Van Noy, Dante Hightower, all, all are not going to be back next year. So the real question is where's the pass rush going to come from? There's going to be a lot of rookies that are going to have to step up. And what really petrifies me is Devin McCourty and Jason McCourty have their own podcast, the McCourty Twins podcast. I'm not sure the exact name. But I think it's OCD, double coverage podcast. Double Let me podcast. confirm that real quick. That sounds about right. The you see so much, so many news stories because they interview a lot of their teammates on the Patriots, and every time I hear a news story on it, I've I've listened to bits and pieces of it. I've never listened to their full episodes, but every time I hear them talk on the podcast, they talk about how concerned they are to come back this year, which I don't blame them. I'd be very concerned as well, and. If we lose both Devin and Jason McCourty, that's when – like, I'm not going to hit the panic alarm yep or button, but I have a bad feeling that once they say they're not going to play, that's when I'll hit the panic button because if we lose Devin and Jason McCourty, that we'd lose all the leadership of this defense. They're them and Gilmore, the last kind of consistent leadership we have on that defense. So if they're gone, then I'm not sure how this defense is going to survive. I mean – in Bill Belichick, we trust all times, but he is not a miracle worker as much as we'd like to believe he is one. So that's where I'm at of panic. I'm not at panic yet, but if McCordy's leave and I'm leaning towards they're, <laughs> they're not going to come back from what they're saying, that's when I'll have to panic button. You know, I think also people, everybody's like, oh, wow, the Patriots, you know, like, now we're going to tank for Trevor Lawrence because all these, like all these, you know, star players on our team are sitting out for the season. Like, I think honestly, like we're just the first team to do it, but I think every team is going to be affected by it. You know, like there's bound to be one or two stars from every single team that does it. You know, like Russ, like Russell Wilson just had a baby. You know, if there's, if there, if it's not safe conditions, how was he expected to go back and play? It's like, and then what, what, what's Seattle going to do if Russell Wilson can't play? You know, like everybody knows the season's going to tank. So I, th- I think, I think the NFL really, ha- really has to, um, you know, in this time until the season starts, they really have to clean everything up. They really have to make sure their plan is, is really set in stone um, and it will protect the players. And it's a different league, different protocols, but look at the MLB. They had four, the Miami Marlins had four players test positive before a game. The players still chose to play that game. They had uh, seven players test after now that number's up to 17. Like that's uh, a team that's half the size of an NFL team. 
And I'm sure they probably have less coaches as well. And they basically, they did have an outbreak. They had an outbreak within their team. Um, if that happens in, in the NFL, the spread will be much more rapid. And, and there are so many risks. So it makes complete sense for these guys to be opting out. I do think that um, this is just the beginning, maybe not necessarily for the Patriots. Maybe I, I agree, Ryan, I am scared about the McCordy's. It is a double coverage podcast with the McCordy twins. That's the name of it. They've had Hightower on. They had... Uh, Patrick Chung on other players and they did talk about how they were nervous and Jason McCourty came out uh, on their most recent episode and flat out said like I'm I'm going to be the one to say it I am nervous I see people on social media like they're partying in clubs they're they're out ignoring these rules and now we're going to go and play football and people are bringing all of these risks into their locker rooms and as a player like football isn't a sport where you social distance it's blood sweat and tears you, you bring guys to the ground it's a physical game there's no social dis distancing in that it's going to spread very easily if anyone does have it um and zach like you said i wouldn't be surprised now if, if we do see stars a high tower was certainly unexpected but um you know we could see pro bowlers all pro players uh who have been competing at the lever level to opt out within the next week. And then who knows what the season's going to be. I mean, Kyle Duggar may not be the only Division II player that is playing for the New England Patriots. And, and Bill Belichick is one hell of a coach. We were joking about how uh, Adam Schefter tweeted about uh, a GM or a coach in, in the league bugging out, like, this is Bill's master plan. Like, he, he's doing something we don't know about. No, like, it's just six players opted out, and we're actually kind of screwed from it. But uh, a lot of teams are going to be put in this position. And no matter what we have for football this season, I'm definitely going to watch it. But um, Cam Newton, I mean, he may be playing on both sides of the ball. We were joking about how he's got the size of a linebacker. He may actually be playing linebacker at some point this year. Who knows what's going to happen? Multi-tool player joining the steps of Troy Brown, Julian Ohm, and, and such. Might as well have the first quarterback linebacker combo. But Tom Brady can never play linebacker. <laughs> Check for Cam. Check for Cam. So – Jason McCourty saying he's scared. Might as well have just tagged Lou Williams in it because Lou Williams was caught in a, the Magic City uh, Adults Club. But I so at first when I saw that, I was blaming. I was like, Lou Williams, you you dummy. Like, how could you possibly? And But then he has a wing named after him. He said he went there just for the wings. And you saw a picture of the wings. Yeah. Like, Damn. <laughs> I mean, Lou Williams is dumb for going in and taking a picture. But those those are good looking wings. I do believe the fact that Lou Williams went in for the wings. But as, aside from that, Jason Williams, Jason Williams, Jason McCourty is very correct in saying that like NBA players are supposed to be in a bubble and people are trying to sneak out doing stuff. NFL players are not going to be in a bubble. They're going to have so much free time in here. Like they're going to do some dumb stuff. Not necessarily dumb in a non-pandemic world, but in a pandemic world going out to clubs, doing all these kind of things, putting themselves in danger, putting their teammates in danger. That's the kind of thing that is bound to happen unless, even if you're in a boat, like they're still trying to do that. I think the NFL needs to relook at their situation, especially after the Marlins having 17 players test positive and be stricter about it. And baseball is supposed to be the sport where you have social distancing, where you're supposed to have less than outbreak because everyone's so separated. And one team, 17 players got it within four days. It shows the crazy spread of it. And while obviously these players are assumingly in great shape, 
and are probably very low risks for death yeah. coronavirus. It's not about the deaths, it's about the long-term effects because people can have long-term effects from the coronavirus and obviously you want to make sure at least until there's a vaccine that you protect everyone and in football you can't protect everyone guarantee like you're in the locker room together everyone's like sweaty like on top of each other like on the football field you're really tackling each other like sweats like going on to each other there's no way to avoid it unless you isolate the players away from everyone else where I think they should have done the NHL strategy where they had like hub cities have the hub cities yeah I think that would have been the best plan for them instead of like the MLB approach the only reason why the MLB approach could work is because everyone is so far apart from each other but in NFL you're really hitting each other so I think which they don't have time for it anymore because literally training camp starts next week so I think the NFL should have tried to do the hub cities where maybe you keep maybe just AFC teams only AFC or NFC teams only play NFC or maybe teams on the Eastern side of the United States only play each other versus Western. Like they should have done something like that, but the NFL is going with the, like the drunken NFL fan approach. Like if you ask a guy at a bar, like, what do you think that they should do? Like the guy at the bar is going to be like, they should do absolutely nothing. Keep it the same and see what happens. Like that's what the NFL is doing essentially besides the testing. So. Right. Right. Like I, like I said when, on, on the last podcast, the only way for it to be 100% successful is you've got to rent an island, put all the players on an island, and that, like, that's the only way. It's the only way. For a contact sport, it's the only way. You have to. I mean, like, like, like Smitty said, because like, if that happened in baseball, football is just getting just more players – more coaches like you know, like equipment. You know how many equipment managers on a football team, like or like the equipment staff, the, the strength conditioning staff, the athletic training staff. Like, there's over like I would say there's over 150 people in the building every single time, you know. And like so, even if the the players, you know, they 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 social distance, they they um they quarantine themselves. What's to say that you know the 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 lowest man on the totem pole on the equipment staff doesn't go out every single weekend you know what i mean like that's all it takes yeah i mean when you have head coaches like bill belichick who has his entire family on his coaching tree i mean that's that's like 80 coaches right there it's just it's stupid the amount the amount of people but to your point ryan like you can social distance as much as you want when you get on a plane you're all going through the same door there's only a handful of bathrooms on that plane you're on the same locker room like you there's those funnels and that weak points in that philosophy that allows for the virus to be spread. And it's just, I mean, it's really like what we really should have been doing this whole time and not to get into the whole discussion about the virus, but like we really should just be like locked down, avoiding any contact. Like when, when you're, when the, when we're restarting these leagues, honestly, all these precautions are bullshit because it's, it took a weekend. It took three days and a team had an outbreak. And of course, obviously it was Florida, which is hysterical, but seriously, like it, it took three days. It just shows that probably shouldn't even be doing this stuff in the first place. And, and when we saw that as a NFL fan, uh, a heavy football fan, you know, that the risk is going to increase drastically for the NFL. And I mean, 
maybe they should, as you said, Ryan, and I agree with that, they definitely should be looking at hub cities, but it's too late. I mean, maybe they should consider moving the season back. I know they have that four-week window, but I don't even know if that'd be enough. Maybe I know people said, oh, they should move it to the spring. Maybe they should, because what's going to happen? I mean, breakouts could happen in camp before we even play games. You know, we could find out that, I mean, the season could get canceled in three weeks because we have teams going back to report and there's breakouts everywhere and it can't be controlled and they have, and they'll have no choice. They'll have to cancel or postpone the season. I don't think it's a matter of if breakouts will happen in training camp. It's a matter of when they're going to happen in training camp and how they're going to handle it. Facts. Yeah. I mean, Rob Branfit, Rob Manfred said he, like they knew that they were going to be uh, outbreaks. It was, as you said, it was just a matter of when and how bad they would be and if they'd be able to manage them. So that's obviously going to be the expectation. It's just how bad will they be? Is it something that's going to be too much to control and prevent the season from happening? And I think after that, and with these players opting out, I think it's more likely than we realize. Like as a fan, probably a stupid mindset, but I've been under the impression that if these seasons were going to happen, that the, the leagues and commissioners and the people in charge who are running this in good faith, we're confident that we would be able to avoid these issues. And I just don't think that's true anymore. I mean, we were talking before the NBA, I know there's been issues with people getting out and everything, but the bubble has helped NHL. They had 3,500 tests and zero came back positive for COVID-19. Um, so the bubble strategy is definitely going to work, but, I think the MLB showed that the non-bubble strategy, the traveling across the country is not going to happen, and the NFL is probably screwed. It's not, it's not news we like to hear. But yeah, I, I mean, that whole – everything that Smay just said, I was like – I was at like a five, you know, for like the season, you know, being like semi-successful. After Smay just said all that, <laughs> I'm at like a one. Yeah, Smitty. I'll yeah, be happy. There's so much money. At, there's so much money at stake. They'd rather just see what happens than not even try at all. And they're probably and they probably know that they're going to fail. The, the, the TV contracts. So much money in the TV yeah. contracts alone that just like Corson. We we've talked about it in the last few podcasts. It's not. I think in our interview with Adam Kaufman, he said it's these teams aren't doing this at the goodness of their heart to try to entertain the American people. They're doing this to reach their bottom line to make their investors not go not go broke because they're billions worth, but not lose money. They don't want to lose money on this or yeah, to lose the least amount as possible. That's why college football is trying to come back. You know, like that, like if, or if, if it wasn't for all those TV deals, like college football should not come back. Yeah. You know, but and because they probably so, won't, I mean, I, I don't know. Right. Right now, Right now, I mean, all, like, the big SEC schools, all, like, the big ACC schools, you know, the Power Five, the Big 12, like, the Big 10. The, right now, they're all back at – they're all on campus again. Yeah. But, I mean, when it comes to – I mean, these guys aren't professional athletes. They're not getting paid for it. I think if, if they see situations where they have outbreaks, it, it, I think it's more difficult for the NCAA because of that. It's not professional. It is amateur. Um, but we'll see. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a push to play. And, and going back to what I was just saying about these leagues, like sports, I think it's fair to say sports really dominate our culture. In my opinion, the NFL especially to a higher level than the NHL, MLB, and NBA. So this league, that, that 
controls our, our culture directly has a, a very strong grip on it. You think that with all the money, all the power that they have, they would be able to do everything that it takes to avoid this virus. And I'm sure that they, they probably are to an extent. I mean, it, they're, they're human, so they're going to make mistakes. It's not going to be perfect, but they have probably the best people, the best resources trying to figure this out. And there's still NFL players who are looking at this and are saying, it's too risky. It's not worth it. I, I will literally give up millions of dollars for the safety of myself and, and my family. So, I mean, that, that's, where, that's the reality of this. That's where we're at. Um, I've been joking about how if the, I, I was okay with losing the summer. If we don't have an NFL season, that's going to be my breaking point. I think I'd have a mental breakdown. Um, but I, they could be coming in a few weeks because it just as things have come out today and as we're talking about, I'm really just by the minute getting less confident that the season will make it like five weeks. Never you know, mind even complete. You know, what's going to happen is, you know, the season will definitely not, as, as now we're alluding, um, the season will definitely not can, like, finish, come to a conclusion. But whatever week it stops, what we'll do is we'll just restart it. We'll just go back to week one and we'll just act like more games are, are, are happening. Because yeah. if we don't, like you said, Smitty, we're just going to have mental break. Here's what you got to do. You're not allowed to watch Red Zone because I'm assuming the NFL is going to start their season. I think and no matter what, the NFL is going to put their head down and start the season. So no Red Zone. You can only watch one game. Put like a little black sheet across the bottom of your TV so you can't see the uh, results of other games. <laughs> And then we'll have people on Reddit go back, record those games, and then illegally post it on YouTube. So then when there's Sundays without football, we can at least watch one game that we haven't seen at all. And you can't use social media either. That's, that's another rule I forgot to mention. Brian, but then how's fantasy football going to work? <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, Imagine if you drafted somebody. Like, how's fantasy football? Now what I think about, wait, how's fantasy, fo- fantasy football going to work? Imagine if you draft somebody and then they get coronavirus. <laughs> You're screwed. It's like Le'Veon Bell when when he decided to uh, opt out of that last game, but instead it's just for a full season. I'm not playing any fantasy football this year. I don't trust anything. Yeah, it's not even worth it. But hey, I mean, going going back to watching, the, going back and rewatching the games. I mean, I watched the same Jared Stidham 24 minute highlight video on YouTube once a week for like three months straight. So I think, I think I could do that. If we get like two weeks of games, I'll be fine. That's all I'll need. I'm we're all struggling for content right now. I, I've watched that Jared Stim 24 minute highlight. And I think I talked about it a few podcasts ago, but did, I was, yeah. before we signed Cam Newton, I was all in after watching. I was like, damn, he's making every pass. And I'm like, for a gang, that's a highlight film. So he's not going to show anything bad. Like damn, Jared Stim is that guy. He's, he could be better than Brady. Like after seeing these throws, but I agree. I, I've been resorting to watching YouTube clips of uh, different games. Whenever I watch TV with my dad late at night on the weekends, he'll just throw in some John Hanna, the some 70s Patriots with a, um, the triple nice. back offense where we rushed for 3,000 yards and passed for like 1,000 yards. It's, it's, it's pretty – Now uh, that's football. <laughs> that's the gritty football. That's the football we need to get back to. Well, with the coronavirus – you're probably going to only want to pass the ball because with the scrums in the middle of handing the ball off, it's probably not going to work out. But moving on to some uh, more, uh, not necessarily positive 
But I guess for Patriots fans, it's positive. Jamal Adams got traded to the Seattle Seahawks. It was kind of everyone was expecting it because Jamal Adams basically said Adam Gase is a dummy and is a bad coach. So the Jets got two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and I forget the dude's name, but McDougal. McDougal? McDougal? Bradley McDougal. Bradley McDougal. Sorry, Bradley McDougal. Yeah, Bradley McDougal, he is a safety, so I guess he could temporarily replace Jamal Adams for them. And in return, the Seahawks got Jamal Adams and a fourth-round pick, I think, in 2021. I could be That's wrong. correct. But I just want to uh, ask you guys what your first initial reaction was, and do you think it was a good trade for the Jets and Seahawks? Or we'll say who won the trade in your thought before anything happens, who won? I think initially right on the surface, I think the Jets won it. I think if the Seahawks can sign Jamal Adams to a long-term contract, the, the Seahawks would win. But they, they gave up so much for him. And then right, right when it happened, everybody was like, oh, you know, they started to bring up the conversation that the Steelers gave up a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick. And everybody thought that, like, that, that was way too much for Minka Fitzpatrick. Although I do believe Jamal Adams is better than Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't think there's that large of a gap. I think Seattle gave up a little bit too much. I mean, unless, unless he you know, somehow, like, verbally agreed to sign with them long-term eventually – I, th- I think he hasn't yet. He said he's playing on uh, his last year. Like that, that, that's tough. Like even though for the Jets, I mean, you can't. I feel like they've been in for they've been in rebuild mode for like f- fucking ten years. When was the last time Mark Sanchez made him made the playoffs for them? <laughs> yeah, two thousand eleven <laughs> like, or two thousand ten, the year before like, we went to the Super Bowl. I think that's when they upset us in the divisional round after we beat them like forty eight to nothing. Like you have Bell, you have you have Sam Darnold, who's supposed to be this blossoming quarterback. You just drafted a really good. Now your line is actually good, like. And then now you just you just trade your best defensive player. I don't know. They, I feel I feel like the Jets kind of just saw, like they saw the the they're trying to capitalize on getting rid of Jamal Adams because he was essentially just a virus in their locker room, talking shit about other players, talking shit about their coaches, you know. And then Le'Veon Bell takes takes the shot at Jamal Adams, saying that like. Jamal Adams was a big reason why Le'Veon Bell went to the Jets, and then he just left. So, so then now there's that beef. So, you tell me the Jets got uh, two viruses in the locker room: coronavirus <laughs> and Jamal Adams. Two. That's a lot. They they have at least three. It, it was <laughs> coronavirus, Jamal Adams, and whatever the hell Adam Gase has. That dude, he's either on something. <laughs> Or he, there's just something he he's contracted something and there's something very wrong with him. But the Seahawks won this trade because the Jets are either going to draft absolute bust with those two picks or draft good players, piss them off, and then trade them away in three years. Mm-hmm. Um, seriously though, I, I do I do actually think the Seahawks won this trade. It, it is very difficult to get a player with that much talent available. I agree, Zach. It is very risky and could blow up in their face if they do sign him, but. Uh, Legion of Boom 2.0, Jamal mm-hmm. Adams at the face of that. Pete Carroll, like you have to capitalize on that. You have to sign him and rebuild that that core defense. Russell Wilson, I think he's 30, 31 now. Um, they went on a big run uh, the first three years, and then things kind of blew up for them. Uh, they won that Super Bowl. They lost another, thankfully. But um, they haven't really been a, a legit, in my opinion, a, a legit contender since then. Um, the Jets, I mean, I, I love shitting on the Jets. I love 
that when they actually draft like an all pro player and he hates being in New York and, and they're forced to trade him. But seriously, I, I think it, it reflects back on Adam Gase. This guy sucks as a head coach. He should have been fired after last year. They brought in Le'Veon Bell. He didn't know how to use him. Le'Veon Bell, I mean, Le'Veon Bell, Sony Michelle, basically the same player the last two years. That, that's what happens when you put one of the best running backs in Adam Gase's hands. Um, New York has a lot of problems. There's reports about their, uh, their owner and his relationship with Trump and, and racial allegations. So it is a complete nightmare over there. And good for Jamal Adams getting out of there, getting into a winning culture and being on a team that is a legit contender. He's he's our age. He's 24, uh, arguably the best safety in the league. And he, right? Isn't that crazy? He's 24. And we're what pumped. the hell? I thought he's been yeah. in the league for like five years. Yeah, it's crazy. So he, uh, he, he's got a lot ahead of him now. Good for him. He, he's probably going to get paid a ton of money in a nice. year and actually be on a, a team that uh, has the chance to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, one point about um, Woody Woody Allen's there. Is Woody Allen a director or is that the owner? What's Woody Johnson. Woody Johnson. Woody um, Allen. Uh, he might be a director or actor. I don't know. But do, do you guys <laughs> see the picture of uh, Woody Brett Allen? Allen? He's a rapper. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting everyone mixed up. You see the picture of uh, Brett Favre and Donald Trump? Where? Yeah, they were golfing on uh, Sunday, I think. Like Don Trump wasn't really except around his nipples. Like, who's <laughs> yeah, that's from their nipples. That's not a great photo. Apparently, up. Donald Trump. Like, Don Trump doesn't have the power to look at a photo and be like approving of that. Like, instantly, like said okay. Like, who you wants? No, to- like, you, have, you got nobody to Photoshop for you. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm saying the person that took the picture likes Donald Trump. So the fact they saw the picture, saw the sweaty nipples, and was like. <laughs> This is a good picture. Let's post that. Oh, it was a white hot. It was it was a it was one of his guys that took the picture. It was definitely a PR picture, of course. Donald Trump has to fire that guy instantaneously. Yeah. No, like no, left or right in the middle, wherever you are. If you're if you have a picture of you, you have however many millions of followers, and you just have sweaty nipples. You gotta fire that person instantly. You know, I think sweaty nipples was actually at one point trending on Twitter. So I think at that point that he should have done something. Yeah. Okay. And real quick, going back to Adam Gase, I was reading an article about the trade earlier and um, he was asked about it and he said, he was quoted saying, we want guys who want to be here. I don't think anyone wants to be there. I mean, Le'Veon Bell wanted out after a year who would want to play for him. I mean, all of the, the to- toxicity in the locker room, all of your players are unhappy of players taking shot at each other's, on social media. I think that overall does reflect back on the coach. You set the tone, you build that culture, culture, you make it or you break it. Um, and, and they have, like I said, a ton of problems there, but I think if they really want to turn things around um, and, and continue to rebuild, they, they have to start with their head coach. They have to find an actual head coach to lead that team. Thanks. Yeah. The, even like the pictures they show of Adam Gase on ESPN, like he looks like a crazy man. Like you have a, Again, talking about photos, but Adam Gase in his photo, like he looks like he's on some sort of uh, mind-altering drug. And the fact that you can't keep players happy in Miami or New York, where are two hub places where people want to be, like those are cities. Like maybe if you coached in, say, Green Bay or something, and the Green Bay stinks in your in the cold weather of time, maybe you could be upset just about the location. But Adam Gase is coached in Miami, where everyone wants to be. Coached in New York, where people want to live. 
and everyone's wanting to leave him instantly. And people say, like, apparently NFL insiders say that Adam Gaze is really smart, knows what he's talking about. But that can only get you so far. And everyone's looking for that Sean McVay, the, like, the young genius that can, like, offensive whisper, quarterback whispering coach. And even with Sean McVay struggling right now, there's no quick answer. And I think Adam Gase for the, like the Jets ownership, they just want that quick answer to fix everything. And clearly when your best player wants to leave you, he's, I, th- I think it's Adam Gase to blame. And obviously at the New York Jets chose to keep Adam Gase rather than keep Jamal Adams. And I think it's a lose-lose. I think Bombs would probably left the Jets anyways, even if he stayed. But I don't see – if the NFL season happens, I don't see Adam Gase making it out of this year because I don't think the Jets are going to be any good this year. I think they're going to be worse. Yeah. You can, like, you can only like, – you, you, you can only be preparing for the future for so long. Like, eventually you have to produce, you know? So, like, if he's like, oh, well, look at all these picks I've accumulated throughout the years. It's like, dude, what's your record been? How many wins have you been getting? Like – all of our all pro, all of our all pro players have, have left. You know, if in three years Mikai Becton, you know, doesn't sign a long term contract with you and leaves to a different team, like you just wasted that those three years developing him. You know, like the point is drafting drafting high caliber players and keeping them long term. You know, so if you can't do that, yeah, I mean, you're just not you're just not the right man for the job. Yeah, Adam Gase. I mean, I don't know what that guy's on, but he looks like Captain America when he woke up. After that coma for 70 years, like he just no clue, like no sense of what's going on. Like it's like he's dropped in a whole new situation. Like it just he's clueless. He the guy is completely clueless. He does not deserve to be a head coach. He does not know how to uh, be an asset manager. He does not know how to build that relationship with players. He may know football, but he clearly just sucks as a person. Was that was that an insult to Chris Evans saying that Am Gase looked like Chris Evans like? I'm no, like that look, like what the hell is going on? Like <laughs> yeah. if you oh, woke up we know, Ryan. after being in a coma for 70 years, that's the look you'd have on your face. Yeah, I'll, I'll have that 24-7. I'll, I'll defend Captain America till I die. And, uh, well, congrats. Smitty thinks he's like Adam Gase. So <laughs> point, point me. <laughs> Adam, Adam Gase, I don't think it lasts. This, but maybe, I mean – this is going to sound really bad, but I mean in the context of there being no NFL season. Maybe there's just no NFL season, and Adam Gase, by default, just keeps his job because uh, we didn't see what Adam Gase did, so we'll just keep him another year. I think that's what Adam Gase should be hoping for right now, but only time will tell. He'd still mess it up. Yeah, he will somehow. He'll get rid of another – like Sam Darnold will leave and go to another team. But moving on. Buffalo. Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Allen's a top hundred player. Next week we're going to talk NFL top hundred. But the fact that Josh Allen's top hundred, straight ridiculous. Like, like arm power probably got him up there somehow. NFL players love watching him throw far. So like, yeah, let me put him on my top hundred. I have so much beef with the first fifty. I can't. I I don't even know how much beef I'm going to have with the next with the with one through fifty. It's going to give me a headache. I'm going to so, get my migraines. <laughs> We can talk about it next week. So, we'll write right now. If you're listening to the podcast right now, next week we're going to talk and discuss who we thought was too high, too low in that full top 100. And you can guarantee that Josh Allen will be on that list for too high. And Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's not a top 100 player. <laughs> and I always forget where I, 
especially on this podcast where my opinion is about Dak. I feel like sometimes I like him a lot and sometimes I hate him. Like, like, I, I feel like my... you lean more to the hate him more okay. than – I feel like I do. but More than usual. Unless it's like a bet. Yeah. No, no one I... fact check me. No one fact check me. Don't listen back to podcasts. I, I don't know what my take is. But moving on to the Red Sox. After their first win against the Orioles, the very first game, we blew out the Orioles. It was looking nice. Like, wow, Red Sox coming out of nowhere. We could be pretty good this year. And all of a sudden, we lose three straight to the Orioles, one to the Mets. And I saw a stat on About Mets. to be two, by the way. Are they losing As right now? As they're down five, five to one in the middle of the fifth. Oh, my God. The fudge. So, I saw a stat on Nesson right after the Mets game on today's Tuesday. So, Monday night. So, this is going to be posted Wednesday. So, Monday night after we lost to the Mets. They said this is the first time since 1901, the dead ball era, where the pa- Patriots, the Red Sox gave up seven runs in their uh, first three losses or something like that. I'll pull it up right now. And the official. The Red Sox pitching is so bad that they could not beat the Orioles. I, I was trying to think of something clever to say, but that's all you need to hear because the Orioles are that bad. And the Mets, we're making the Mets look like the Yankees of the 70s, just crushing everything. Uh, the rookie from the well, last year's rookie of the year on the Mets, I forget his name. Do you know his name? Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso hit a rocket home run that made the whole Red Sox broadcasting crew cream their jeans instantly. And that's something. Those poor up. cardboard cutouts. They'll probably never be the same after witnessing that. How how did a head of a cardboard cutout not get chopped off? Like, we, we witnessed a live cardboard cutout murder. Or we could have. I, I don't know how it survived. I mean, they, they probably could have hurt an actual person. It probably went straight through the, the monster. No, but yeah. he, that was It was a missile. But the, the stat you're referring to, the Red Sox have allowed seven-plus runs in three of their first games for the first time since 1901. Which is... Ridiculous. That just shows how bad their pitching is. It is insane how bad the Red Sox pitching is. Like, no, Nathan Navalli is the only good starter, and I think he's – I'm pretty sure he's starting tonight, if I'm not mistaken. No, tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Him and Jake DeGrom are going up against each other. Tonight is a human by the name of Matthew Hall. Like, Red Sox pitching rotations, a bunch of double-A guys, and Nathan Navaldi and wait, 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 wait. I'm confused. Are we happy that the Red Sox are back or not? I, I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched a shred of Red Sox. All I've been seeing is people I follow on Twitter shit on them. I was happy the first game. as was, was a pleasant surprise, and I watched a lot of the first game. And then we lost to the Orioles twice. Then we lost to the Mets. And it's, it kind of feels back to going to normalcy where everyone's just shitting on the Red Sox because that's one – like Red Sox Twitter, unless we're winning 100 games, Red Sox Twitter is the most depressed – like hating everything twitter like baseball twitter in general is like that like if your team's not good you hate the world and the yeah, red sox have just double a pitching staff this is the only good one eduardo rodriguez eduardo rodriguez eduardo rodriguez yeah he's supposed to, he was supposed to be our day one starter and he's out with kind of coronavirus like he had it didn't he know. had covid um He's still having some side effects from it. He pitched like three innings in a simulated game, and he like couldn't even catch his breath. It really did take a toll on him. He had, um, 
I think heart inflammations too. Let me fact check that yeah. real quick. But he, he's he he got hit pretty hard. Like when you talk about long term effects, he can be someone used as like a case study to see what that actually is. Um, his report from yesterday said that he's dealing with a heart issue. I didn't see or hear anything today uh, with an update on that, but he's he- awaiting some test results. So I, I mean, he he may not even pitch this year. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens with him. And, and if I were him, honestly, going back to what we were talking about earlier, I wouldn't. This team sucks. They, they I mean, <laughs> flat out, they're so bad. We actually got a sport back. In my opinion, no offense to the other sports, a real sport, the lowest of the four, maybe, but a real sport. Um, and I enjoyed the first two days of it, and that was it. Uh, because after Friday, the Red Sox have just gotten their asses kicked since. And they have these guys. I mean, Matt Hall, Josh Ostrich, Martin Perez, like they're all terrible. They Okay, so right now, Ryan Weber, ERA, 14.73. Martin Perez, ERA, 7.20. Josh Ostrich, ERA, 6.0. Jeffrey Springs. Who the fuck is Jeffrey Springs? I've never heard of him before. 33.75 ERA. That is pathetic. These guys probably wouldn't even make the Brockton Rocks for anyone who knows what that team is. It's like an independent amateur league. They, they probably, they probably uh, recruited those guys from last season. It, it's terrible. It, listen, you trade Mookie Betts by the numbers, one of the best players in baseball over the last few years, top five. I'd say top two. Yeah, you can argue the reasons why if you would have signed here, if he was going to hit free agency, would they pay the money that he would get? Regardless, he's gone. You've upset a lot of fans by doing that. You put together a bullpen, literally like the Sandlot, but they never actually get good. They're just the kids at the beginning who suck at baseball. It, it, it's a joke of a season, and thankfully it's only 60 games because if it was 162, they may not win more than 20 games regardless, never mind in a 60-game season. So the season's a wash. As a Red Sox fan, there's no point tuning in because they're just going to piss you off. What I'm honestly now looking for is next season. They reset the luxury tax. It's one of the reasons why they traded David Price and Mookie Betts. Uh, if they're going to put together a joke of a team this year, then they better be looking to spend that money next year and bring in some arms, uh, bring in some talent here to get them back on track. Because, I was, okay, so I unfortunately am friends with uh, a few Red Sox fans. And, I'm sorry, well, I mean, yes, there's also a few Red Sox fans I'm unfortunate to be friends with. But I unfortunately am friends with a yeah. few Yankees fans. And, and they straight up asked me, like, what is your expectation for the Red Sox this year? And I told them, I don't have any. The team sucks. All I want to see is guys like, Ben Intendi, Bogarts, Raphael Devers, get better. Um, see what guys like J.D. Martinez still have left, if Jackie Bradley Jr. can do anything. Uh, so before tonight's game, as I said, we're in game two of the series with the Mets. The Red Sox are down 5-1, of course. Oh, and actually, before I make this point, tonight was the first time in my life that I've ever bet against a Boston team. I bet on the Mets tonight because I actually – wanted to win some money i've bet on the i've been betting a lot of baseball uh, i have been betting on the socks and tonight i said I, this guy matt hall who the hell is this guy he's going to get shelled and he pitched two innings and, and the mets are up five to one but want to see guys like benintendi devers bogarts the seasons that, that they can have before tonight's game andrew benintendi one for 14 
uh, at the plate, batting uh, .071. He's, Rafi what, Devers. His one hit was a bunt. Yeah. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Thank you, Ryan. His one hit was a goddamn bun. <laughs> Rafi Devers, uh, he's got two hits and 17 at-bats, batting uh, 118. Bogarts, three hits and 14 at-bats, batting 214. Jackie Bradley Jr. leads the team in batting average going into tonight's game uh, with eight hits and 14 at-bats, batting 571. Jackie Bradley Jr., one of the most frustrating players on this team over the last four or five years, in one month, we'll bat 1,000, hit 20 home runs, and the next month we'll bat 100 and hit zero. Uh, this guy may actually be like the leader of our team this year because when it comes to 2020, literally the opposite of what you expect ends up happening. So um, it has been really frustrating, but there is no but. It's it, frustrating. It sucks. And, and any excitement you had to see what this team could maybe do in a 60 span, uh, season where there actually is some wiggle room for things to happen, catch lightning in a bottle. Teams do start off hot. Uh, the Red Sox did the opposite of that, and the Yankees are going to run away with the really with the American League. Uh, ready? So the Red Sox pitching staff. We'll just say the Red Sox team in general because their bats are what's supposed to be their highlight. But as Smitty so eloquently mentioned, that our best hitters that we're paying millions of dollars to can hit. And Jackie Bradley Jr., who we keep for defense, is easily our best hitter right now. The Red Sox team, to The kicking and screaming uh, movie, you know, with Will Ferrell. It's like kicking and screaming, but we never get the Italians. So we just suck, and we're never going to get better until next year. And I put a poll up on our Next One podcast page saying how many games you think the Red Sox will win. I'm pretty sure what won was uh, the the uh, 30 to 40 win category. And it will be lucky to get 25 wins, especially with this pitching staff. Eduardo Rodriguez, I don't blame him if he doesn't come back. This pitching staff, Matt Hall is your ace, <laughs> giving up five runs against the Mets right now. It's, it's not looking good for the Red Sox. I say 25 wins max. And Jackie Bradley Jr., as Space said, is very frustrating. And the only time he does good is when everyone else sucks because he can only succeed when it doesn't matter. When wait, 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 wait. Getting on base. So what you guys are telling me is that I'm not missing out on anything by not watching the Red Sox games. Nothing. Don't even waste your time. Perfect. If, if you like rooting against the Red Sox, then you're missing a hell of a entertainment. <laughs> if you're, if you're, yeah. you're missing a lot right now. <laughs> Just to the Red Sox. There's been one shred of excitement to watch, I'd say, and it's Verdugo, who they received in the trade for Mookie Betts. He's batting 333 going into tonight. Um, he was, he was, I don't know if he was actually mic'd up, but I've seen clips of him talking to himself in the outfield about how there's no fans and he has no one to, to interact with during the game. Uh, but that clip of him uh, in that argument with the umpires was pretty entertaining to watch as well. The guy has a lot of fire. Um, He's been hitting the ball all over the place as well, uh, which is great for, as a hitter because now, I mean, with the analytics and, and all this nonsense, I mean, they, it's like they know exactly where you're going to hit the ball at all times, but this guy is showing uh, in a small sample that he can really put the ball anywhere on the field. So he wasn't, I don't think, it, I should say, if anyone expected him to come in and replace Mookie Betts and, and be that player, uh, they were silly. But as uh, Boston fans and Red Sox fans, we always expect – uh, the best possible. But, I mean, he could be a good replacement here. We'll, we'll see what happens. But it, it's 
for 60 games, it's going to be one hell of a long season. So, uh, Zach, I don't think you're missing anything if you decide not to tune in at all. I'm sure these rants will probably be a weekly thing. Um, and, and I'll keep you posted if you should tune in. But I, I, I'm probably going to say every weekend or every week it, that it's not worth it. Smitty, before we move on, I got to ask, what was the bet you placed against the Sox? I bet 20 bucks on the Mets, money line. Just oh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I mm, – Who's the was it plus odds? Not the Red the, the Mets were, but it was, like, almost even. Let me check it again. I've been bet. I put like ten bucks on the rest of the games, and I put I doubled down uh, against the Red Sox. So the Mets were uh, minus twenty one twenty three. Should have been minus friggin' two fifty right as as they're probably about to score again. Uh, man of first and third, no outs in the sixth. So, but I we joked before about how they'd have to win games like ten to nine or, or twenty to eighteen and. Uh, they can't hit, so they're just going to lose 20 to 2 or, or 10 to nothing. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. I don't know how their pitching staff got so bad so quick. Well, I understand why, but anyways, we're going to stop being so stressed about the Red Sox after only four games. They're not worth it because they don't put the money in to be worth it. So we're going to um, talk some NBA. We haven't talked about NBA the last few weeks. They come back on Thursday. Very exciting. It's going to be I remember correctly, Pelicans and Jazz and then Lakers Clippers. And it seems like Zion Williamson is back at practice, so maybe he will make it for the first game against the Jazz, so that will be exciting. And there's been a lot of talk about Kemba's knee, if he's going to be able to finish the season, the whole bubble. like The Celtics kind of looked not too great the first game against uh, – They sucked. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> they not, sucked, yeah. They, sucked. they kind of bounced back a little against – the Phoenix you know, Suns, I thought, yeah. Smitty is super pessimistic this episode. NFL isn't coming back. Okay. The 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 Boston Red Sox suck. If the Pages do come back, they're gonna suck. Now the Celtics suck. You know, Smitty is very pessimistic this episode. I was I was just going to make a point, but then Ryan moved on, so I kept my mouth shut. But this is what's going to happen. <laughs> the Red Sox are gonna win ten games max. The NFL season's going to get canceled. Kemba's knee is going to be screwed. He won't be able to play. Jason Tatum's going to tear his ACL. Uh, and then the Bruins are going to make the <laughs> oh cup again. But, but they're going to lose. And, I, and, and we're not going to get out of this virus. And then we'll, we'll be here the same time next year asking these questions. Will there be a bubble? Uh, will Florida get their shit together? Uh, will Tom Brady actually be able to play for the Bucs at age 43? Like it, I, we're in it for the long haul and, and nothing like sports should be an outlet for all of this nonsense. And it's, it sucks. It's making it more stressful. So, I mean, that's, that's where we're at here. It's, it's just a shit show all around. It's, I mean, you must be a thrill at the water cooler at work. Just me. <laughs> <laughs> I about the sports and Smitty. I'm not even allowed. To, I'm not even allowed to go anymore. I'm banned. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from all Smitty's pessimism, let's hope, uh, these Celtics knees hold up, not just uh, I'm not to interrupt you, but sorry, I, I'm becoming a, a stereotypical Boston sports fan or, or talk Uh-oh. show host. Oh, you're, you're turning yeah. into Pilger and Maz. Ne- next week, I'll be arguing that uh, they all these Patriots players opted out because they don't want to play for Bill Belichick anymore, not because yeah, of COVID, that, because it, it, they just didn't want to play for Bill. <laughs> yeah, screw that guy, he's a terrible head coach. Yeah, 
I mean, <laughs> we, we could always debate that. That's, that's, when all sports are canceled and NFL is canceled, we'll debate why they decide to opt out before the season is over. We'll, there'll be plenty of content for us to debate about when uh, that day comes for pessimistic Smitty. But <laughs> I just want to get you guys' thoughts. Do you think the Celtics will move up to get the two seed? I think we're about two and a half games back. I might be wrong. Somewhere around there. Will we get the two seed? Was that first game an indictment against OKC? Is that something to be concerned about? And are we concerned about Kemba Walker at all? Celtics are three games back, by the way. Yes, I am concerned about Kemba Walker. Very concerned. Um, B, if he does not play, our chances go go down dramatically. You know, there's no way I think we can get past – I think I still think we can get past Philly because Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are just combined, just frauds. Um, I mean, Ben, ben Simmons had to see a sports psychologist to literally shoot a three-pointer. I don't know how you get to the NBA with, without, shooting, without being able to, like, just shoot three-pointers. Even if you miss them, just shoot the, just shoot the ball. But, oh, he'll be lights out now. There's no fans there. There's no one to <laughs> shit on him. He hit, one, he hit one in a scrimmage. Dude, I know. It he blew hit a bunch corner of three. Yeah. It was like it was like wow Ben Simmons pulling the trigger like like no hesitation I'm like what <laughs> this is what you just had to post today but anyways yeah. uh, I I don't think without Kim Walker I don't think we get past uh, Milwaukee though or Toronto to be honest Toronto actually looks really good wow. and the Lakers are gonna win the championship okay. and then you 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 people you two are gonna be like oh well it was the bubble and they only played this many games and there's an asterisk near LeBron's championship. Even oh. though my man Nick Wright is like, yeah, that counts as two <laughs> championships. Oh, okay, Tom. The Tom of NBA takes hey, back over here. Hey, you take that back right now. I will not stand for that. I'll, I'll take it back. But <laughs> I agree. I'm very concerned about Kemba. Uh, I think the Lakers – LeBron wearing his gray beard, not, not not putting any just for men in it. LeBron's just trying to intimidate everyone. Shameful. Um, I I think the Bucks are gonna just roll over everyone. I don't think it, unless Kemba it can be one hundred percent healthy. We don't have Kemba Bucks roll to the championship. That's my thought. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I agree too. Um, I even if we lose Kemba. I think that the uh, the Celtics could could make a run at the Raptors if they would ever match up with them, depending how things play out. But yeah, once they get to Milwaukee, no matter what, it, it will be very difficult. Um, and I can't wait to watch Giannis absolutely smack LeBron James in the NBA bubble final playoffs, and uh, LeBron to be three and seven Ooh. in the NBA finals, Ooh. and then have uh, NBA Twitter and Laker slash. Cavalier slash Heat fan Twitter argue that uh, it didn't count because it's a uh, COVID season. Gemma's knee, though, long term, real concern, especially that it's uh, the first year of his deal. That's not something that's really going to get better. It's just how are you going to manage that going forward? Uh, we'll see what they do in the offseason for surgery and if he's even able to, depending on what this timeline's going to be between the end of the bubble and uh, bubble 2.0 for the 2020-21-20 season, which is definitely going to be a thing, at least for the beginning. So, uh, but yeah, that's long-term real concern. Yeah, 
very concerning. Um, I just, I just want sports, but I just want a good Boston team to be back. And clearly, we're not going to get that from the Celtics. We will get it from the Bruins. I do want to talk a quick minute about the Bruins in one second. And the Celtics will be good. I think the Celtics, if Kemba can, Kemba had one good play against the Suns where he drove to the basket and got a nice little N1. So I'm hoping maybe that is the Kemba we get, but we will see. And regarding Zach's take that the Lakers are going to win the finals, the Clippers look terrible as well. So I'm kind of concerned about that. Kawhi Leonard went something like three for 16. Paul George did bad. Lou Williams loves wings in the club. And. I am concerned for my Clippers and Skip Bayless's Clippers. It's very concerning. So I'm going to hold off on my NBA. I'm like Zach who gives his predictions right away. I'm going to make you guys wait a little, you know, let the tension rise. And maybe in the next few episodes, I'll give my predictions for the champion. Boom. Zach Boom. over here. This is what you do, Ryan. You make a prediction, right? A bold prediction. And the Lakers winning it isn't a bold prediction. And then you just hope nobody facts checks you, and then you just switch your team. Getting closer. I mean, like, if the Lakers don't make it, you know, close to the in, – like, in the finals, I'm like, oh, yeah, I wanted the Nuggets to win this whole time. I love Bobo. That's a great take. I think our podcast kind of does that a lot sometimes. Exactly. You know, because nobody's, nobody's going to be like, oh, man, I got to go watch that past episode. I'll just take his word for it that he was a huge Nuggets fan from the beginning. I agree. Mm-hmm. Old takes exposed hasn't discovered us yet, but it, when they do, <laughs> they're going to have a goddamn field day. <laughs> we'll be out of business if they do. Old takes exposed is looking for content. There's plenty to sift through of us uh, <laughs> changing our take. If we, if we ever make it big on like episode 126, they're gonna pull. They're gonna pull shit from like episode 10, and, be, and they're just talking mad shit about us. Yeah. Luckily for us, our, when we were originally on SoundCloud, I think episodes of one through twenty-two were deleted on SoundCloud, so we don't have to worry about those takes. Rip, rip to those episodes though, because rip to Smitty's mom's basement. Oh man, <laughs> it's crazy. Now we get the living room, but <laughs> upgrade. <laughs> so we'll talk more Celtics as the season gets going. But right now, there's not a lot of Celtics news. We will talk. I love to talk more. LeBron James claiming he didn't sit in a, a throne when he did. He chose the nicest chair in the hotel and decided to sit in and act like the king, king of. Like, yeah, he 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 said he wasn't sitting in a throne, even though he uh, found the chair in the entire hotel that looked most like a throne and chose to use that for his press conference. But it was just a random chair in the hallway. Definitely wasn't a throne. Uh, Remember three and six in the finals, but yes, he's still King James. <laughs> three and seven in about a month. I can't wait. <laughs> I, I agree for now, but so you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna rec- I'm gonna remember this moment, guys, and I'm gonna send you guys to Old Takes Exposed, mm. and then that's how we'll get the ball rolling for them to post us. I, I like it. When, you know, in uh. In November, when there's nothing to talk about because the NFL season gets canceled, we can debate if you'd rather be uh, zero and zero in the finals or three and seven in the finals. Because Mm. I think, I mean, never making it or being that bad in the finals, even though you've won a few. um, mm, Really, too, because 
Draymond Green got suspended, so Cleveland doesn't count. Uh, and and Miami, you were on a super team, and, and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade carried you. So. You know, Smitty, you really need to have a debate with Nick Wright because your math and Nick Wright's math will just c- clash really hard. You're, you're taking away, he's adding three. Yeah. I don't even know I, what I think. You know that clip from Billy Madison where the, he gives that long rant and then the guy's like, nothing you said just makes sense. Like, I, I wish whatever. <laughs> like, that clip, that would be – that would probably be the response to any argument that Nick Wright and I had because we would just speak absolute nonsense to try to, to win. And it just – it wouldn't make any sense. We'd be talking about the math. So, LeBron's got – actually, with inflation, uh, he's probably got 5.6 championships, uh, but he's only lost a 4.2 uh, but Brady, by the way, he's got like 20, and the other three don't count because uh, David Tyree's a devil worshiper. Mario Manningham's <laughs> the luckiest person on earth, and uh, the referees from <laughs> from Super Bowl 52 are blind. So, uh, I mean, if that if if we want to play by those rules, we can. You, Nick Wright, would be throwing stats out of nowhere that no one makes sense, but we're all just gonna have to believe to be true. And just fake it until you make it. I mean, maybe that's what he's done. I, I haven't watched Nick Wright's full career, but I mean, if you're doing that right now, we're just gonna presume Nick Wright does it, and it'd make for great uh, content. So I gotta, I gotta talk about our blue checkmark friend, Michael Hurley. He is going out of control, upset about the NHL. How much credit he's given the NHL, especially with the crowd noise, with how the whole setup is. And if you saw the video posted about the crowd noise, that sounded like it was great. Like there's a crowd there, and if you listen to Nesson's crowd noise it just like random cheers out of nowhere when nothing's happening it takes like 10 seconds after a home run for the crowd to start cheering and our our friend of the show Michael Hurley is big upset about it and I feel for him because NHL is doing a great job his advisors are crushing it yeah I mean I love uh when uh on on Nesson stones rounding third base after a home run and then the crowd explodes uh, for, from the hit that's been pretty cool but uh, NHL as we said I think it was like 3,500 tests all negative uh, we've had some scrimmages as well they have done a great job the hub cities as I was saying earlier this is going to show that it's a great model and we could see this across all four sports and, and a lot more sports leagues uh, next year uh, if America decides that they don't want to get their shit together and get out of this virus so uh Maybe, maybe the Bruins will actually be something to uh, look forward to. Maybe they won't shit the bed after five games. Who knows? But uh, definitely excited that they were able to figure it out when we first talked about sports coming back. I thought the NHL had no chance. I didn't think they'd be able to find places to play. I didn't think the Hub City uh, model was realistic. And I didn't think that the NHL would find cities where they would actually be able to um, play games because of ice conditions and, and things like that. But, um, and, and they haven't started the season yet, but I think that they're obviously on track. They're going to start the season and I don't think they'll have issues. Obviously anything can happen, but uh, it will be nice to see uh, the Bruins come back and the, this core deserves a Stanley cup. It kills me that they lost last year. These guys obviously aren't getting older. Um, Krejci, Bergeron, Marsha, and they have one when it's Char, but, but these guys deserve another one. Rask, who I think may end up going down as one of the best, maybe arguably the best goalie in Bruins history. Uh, he deserves to get one. He's been 0-2 in uh, his finals history. Um, and then you got guys like Tori Krug, who has been pretty honest when he said this is probably his last run with the team. He, he'll, he may end up somewhere else. So, um, 
you know, a- after this, I mean, in a year or two, the Bruins are going to have to blow things up. So they were the best team in hockey before the pandemic hit. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they can get back on track and go on a run here and actually bring one home this time. The Boston hope, I think all our hopes are in the Bruins Stanley cup right now. So we'll see what happens. But last thing I want to talk about before we wrap this show up. So getting back to our, our roots, our football roots. So I just want to ask a, a quick ranking question. This is regarding Keenan Allen is sick of the disrespect from the NFL top 100 countdown. He is upset that Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans are all ranked ahead of him. So I just want to ask you guys, if he's justified in his upsetness, is he better than those three guys? And I want you to rank those four receivers, one being the best, four being the worst out of those four. Oof. You see, like, I hate to do – like, are you just saying overall receiver? Over, like, who would you rather have, I guess? Like, of those four. Like, four, you – he's the last one. One, obviously, he's the guy. Uh, one, Mike Evans. Two, Chris Godwin. Three, Ken Allen. And then put four, Tyree Kill. So, he's not justified. No. I don't think he's better than Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's better than Mike Evans. I think maybe you can make an argument that he's better than Chris Godwin. Uh, we'll see what if Chris Godwin can continue to do what he did last year. But uh, I, I think for right now, I'd put him at two. Um, that San Diego team, I mean, Philip Rivers, they were up and down the last couple of years. I think he definitely does have a lot of talent uh, if he – but, but, I mean, even look at the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers have been a shit show, too. I mean, James Winston threw 30 interceptions last year. Uh, and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin still had great seasons. So, But, no, I don't think he's justified. I think he is underrated. But when it comes to those big names, um, he still doesn't compare. So give us a quick rank of them. Oh, okay. So, so Mike Evans first. Um, oh. I'm really stuck on if I want Godwin or Keenan Allen. Okay, if I'm so like going into this year, who would I want? I would take Chris Godwin, uh, Keenan Allen third, and fuck Tyree Kill. He's fourth. He is a good receiver, but it, I honestly, unbiased, I would take those three over Tyree Kill. I so think if I. Tyree Kill, if Tyree Kill was on the Chargers, he's the only guy he wouldn't do anything. Um, and the Bucks obviously they have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, but they both can go off. They're both explosive players. Tyree Kill is just fast. Yeah. Also, also Tyreek Hill is tough to like gauge because he plays with the best quarterback in the league right now. Yeah, and he's like five foot four, so it, it's really not easy for guys who are like twice the size to tackle him. All good points. You know the Tyreek Hill, like him spreading with To, like him and To are huge. Like, like they, I've never seen so many. To could probably put the pads on. Like he probably could have dominated the XFL in January. Oh, facts. This is the. You ran a four four. At 46 years old, nice and casual. Insane. Absolute insanity. So my ranking, I'm going to go Mike Evans one. Just because Keenan Allen's proven to be a, a number one receiver, I'm going to put him at two because Chris Godwin's had Mike Evans play with his whole career. So maybe if more of the coverage is on Chris Godwin, he it's not an indictment against Chris Godwin. It's just he hasn't been able to prove it for me, at least. He could be the number one guy in yeah. an offense. Yeah. So I'll, I'll put Chris Godwin three. And just like Smay said, fuck Tyreek Hill at four. Uh, even though Tyreek Hill has insane bunnies, like, dude can jump 
of the building, but since he is only five four, him jumping out of the building is still just like where Mike Evans can jump. So it's about the same. Um, that's why I'd rank him. My Keenan Allen just has a problem. He has some injury history, and obviously last year, yeah, Bill Rivers just yeah, have just he's just he's just stuck on a bad team. You know that's why he doesn't get the 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 recognition he deserves. Yeah, yeah. Phil Rivers last he, year was like, sorry, go ahead. The fact that he tagged the wrong Chris Godwin is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and I did you click on that Twitter account? That guy he hasn't he hasn't tweeted since 2013. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Imagine yeah, just I, logging on and being like, "Oh shit, Keenan Allen just added me." Thinking I was crazy. Like someone, if if the guy's like still around, has friends, and they saw that, they got to tell him like, "Yo, you need to reactivate this account." Like you can get you can go viral off of this if you make a funny comment. You have to capitalize on the moment here. It's what it's what the world's about now. It, it's it's social media currency, not real money. Apparently, it's just social media currency. About what? But on you. What do you say? Talk about what eyes you can get on you. Yeah, exactly. So this this is all just hopeful thinking because obviously, pessimistic Smitty says it's not going to be an NFL season. So yeah, it won't matter. We won't be able to really determine that until twenty twenty one if we're lucky. So <laughs> we should just and, clip this and send it to Felger and Maz, and they're like, "Wow, they would want to interview Smitty after it." He makes some. Yeah, we, we can. <laughs> We'll be able to break down the first three games of the season. Hopefully, all four receivers play, and, and with that, that we can tell, we'll be able to tell who's uh, who's really the best out of the bunch. No, who we should try to get on the show before I wrap this up is I forget his name. I follow him on Twitter. He's the person that loves doing the Felger Maz impersonation. He works for ninety eight five. Uh, Matt Doloff. Yeah, Pat. Matt hilarious. Matt Doloff, right? Matt Doloff, yeah. If we can't get Felger Maz, we should definitely try to get Matt Doloff to. Uh, that to guy's hilarious. Because he is very funny. So, Matt Doloff, if for some reason you come across this, come on the show. <laughs> but until then, until the next one podcast, I'm Ryan Collin, Brent Smith, and Zach Maharma. Like I said, until the next one, thank you for listening. And uh, Bruins are our only hope, Red Sox. You guys are terrible. Fuck everything. Go Lakers. Ew. <laughs>